Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live.
for our own ice man here, of course, as he puts on the uh, the fireproof suit one more time as it sits into the hot seat. As of course, we, as we want, as we always do each and every Wednesday night, we of course test him with, of course, <clears throat> some movie trivia from the past and present with our hot seat movie trivia challenge. Was he going to us here tonight with anything that we do have to talk that we do talk about here tonight on episode 58 of Outside the Ropes? Of course, feel free to give us a call as always. The magic phone number one seven two four. 444-7444. Call ID for Outside the Ropes is 141-387-POUND. And press that one if you want to chime in on anything that we have to talk about here tonight. <clears throat> of course, uh, like I said, we do have a big, a big amount of stuff here in our bag of goodies. So let's go ahead and just dig through and see what we got here for you. And, and by all means, uh, 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 enjoy the show, as we always say. Okay, uh, first two stories coming out for Leather Mania. Kind of have a... Uh, uh, <clears throat> kind of have, are kind of probably talking about the same uh, the same situation here. Uh, uh, this coming uh, actually, this story came out yesterday, uh, courtesy of Jeremy Thomas at Four Eleven Mini. I'll go ahead and uh, <clears throat> talk about it here on the the of course the upcoming uh, movie feature talking about featuring uh, legendary Star Wars character Han Solo. Loses its directors during the, during mid production. Let's go ahead and bring you that story here because there'll be another one, I believe, coming out today that is kind of attached to attached to that. So let's go ahead and bring you this story here first. Uh, in a in a surprising twist, the as yet untitled Han Solo spinoff movie has lost its directors in the middle of filming. Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy issued a statement on StarWars.com announcing that Phil Lord and Chris Miller have left a currently in production film which stars Alden Eidenreich as the smuggling Star Wars hero. Phil Lord and Christopher Miller are talented filmmakers who have assembled an incredible cast and crew. It's become clear that we had different creative visions on this film, and we've decided to part ways. A new director will be announced soon, according to, uh, according to Ms. Candy. Lord and Miller added this, Unfortunately, our vision and process weren't aligned with our partners on this project. We normally aren't fans of the phrase creative differences, but, but for once this cliche is true. We're really proud of the amazing and world-class work of our cast and crew. Uh, let me see here. Let me... Variety has a different take on the story, reporting that Lord and Miller did not leave of, of their own accord and were fired by Kennedy after clashing with her and Lawrence Chazin on multiple aspects of the production. The site reports that according to a source, Kennedy and the directing team never got along and described it as a culture clash from day one. Miller and Lord were reportedly surprised to learn once that they were on set that they couldn't run the production the way they were used to and chafed against Kennedy's tight level of control on set. Kennedy didn't approve of their shooting style nor how they interacted with the cast and crew. Kazan also reportedly questioned several of the duo's directing choices. According to Deadline, Ron Howard is the frontrunner to take over the film. Disney has yet to confirm this, though. Eidenreich co-stars with Donald Glover, Junis Suotamo, Woody Harrelson, Amelia Clark, Sandy Newton, Michael K. Williams, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge. The film releases on May 25th of next year and is still reportedly on track to be released on that date. So, uh, but, but of course, if you thought that was the end of this story, it is not, because we do have a, another part 
actually came out today, uh, courtesy of, of Joseph Lee at 411 Mania, in which apparently they have, they have been able to find someone to take over the film. Ron Howard and Joe Johnston apparently were just front runners to take over the Han Solo film. Deadline reports that Ron Howard is a frontrunner to replace Phil Lord and Christopher Miller as a director of the upcoming Han Solo film. It was reported yesterday that they left the film for what Lucasfilm President Kathleen Kennedy said was due to creative differences. She said a new director would be announced soon. Howard is currently attached to several projects, but nothing is currently currently uh, filmed. Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote the film with his son Jake, is also being considered to direct. Kasdan previously directed films like Silverado and The Big Chill. A Hollywood reporter adds that Joe Johnston, uh, who directed Captain America the First Avenger, is also in the running. The film only had three weeks left in principal photography. It's unknown how the Directors Guild of America will handle the situation. Lucasfilm is still hoping to release it on May 25, 2018. The film, of course, as you said, stars Alden Einreich, Donald Glover, Junis Suotamo, Woody Harrelson, Emilia Clark, Sandy Newton, Michael K. Williams, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Uh, these two developments here, J.D., concerning the upcoming Han Solo film, uh, what's your take here? If Ron Howard's going to be assigned to direct it, hopefully it'll be a big success. This has been crazy, however. I mean, you think about it, however. I mean, this is uh, a very interesting prequel when it's coming out, when the new Star Wars is going to be coming out in December, however. I mean, is this the final chapter we're going to see of the Star Wars trilogy? And if so, if Ron Howard has been assigned to direct it, he better hope it's a big blockbuster, however, like the other ones have been in the past. Indeed, we'll definitely have to watch out for that and see what happens to that. But, of course, this film is slated to come out May 25th around Memorial Day of next year. So let's see. Let's just hope we're able to bring it out here and bring it out here in time. But, again, this is a spinoff. This is not even has a title for it yet. But it's supposed to be a spinoff, I guess, centered around the Han Solo character. So uh, we'll have to wait and see how that um, how that all happens here. Indeed. Uh, another one, another story here that uh, I kind of heard about this. It came out yesterday. I wanted to pull it off here. A very talented actor in his own right here. I'm sure you've probably heard about this already too, J.D. is retiring from acting. Uh, let me go ahead and say Let me go ahead and say here. Daniel Day-Lewis has decided it's time for someone else to get all the Oscars. The three-time Best Actor winner is retiring from on-camera work. With a spokeswoman telling Variety that he's ended his acting career after the release of Paul Thomas Anderson's Phantom Thread. Daniel Day Lewis will no longer be working as an actor, the statement read. He is immensely grateful to all of his collaborators and audiences over the many years. This is a private decision, and neither he nor his representatives will make any further comment on this subject. Day Lewis is best known for lead roles in films like My Left Foot, There Will Be Blood, and Lincoln all of which earned him Best Actor awards at the Oscars. He was also nominated for Best Actor in In the Name of the Father and Best Supporting Actor for Games in New York. Phantom Thread premieres on Christmas Day and is set in the uh, culture world of 1950s London. The story eliminates the life behind the curtain of an uncompromising dressmaker commissioned by royalty and high society. Uh, uh, Big time after here, giving it up here, J.D., your take here. 
Well, if he's ready to retire, I mean, he's done a lot of great films that have, you just mentioned. I mean, My Left Foot, uh, There Will Be Blood, uh, other movies he's done, Gangs of New York. Of course, he made his, I just recently saw him in a movie, and I remember watching it recently, and I didn't know he was in this movie, uh, with Ben E. Kingsley, however, Gandhi back in the 80s, with Sir John Gilgood. I mean, that was one of his first early hits. But, yeah, over the course of the last 25 years, he's made some big moves like Lincoln and other stuff. However, and if he decides to give it up, maybe uh, if he decides to stay in the game, if he decides to stay in the game now, he could be a writer, producer, or director. But I think uh, after a long career, I think it's time maybe now he's thinking it's time to spend time with my family and my grand- my kids and my grandkids maybe. But uh, he's had a great career, and uh, we wish him nothing but the best. Absolutely, and did a tremendous performance by this by this uh, great great actor, and his and his uh, work will be missed definitely. But uh, we'll, can't wait to see you now if maybe he might collaborate on something here sometime here in the near future. Who knows what will happen there? Uh, other than that, uh, we've had some of course of course some of your, some of the uh, of course still a lot of the stuff coming up, uh, including of course we've got a. Uh, uh, another, well, I'll tell you what, uh, uh, I'll bring you one more here that came out yesterday. Uh, now, back, we're back in the Star Wars genre here. Star Wars is not here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, this came out yesterday, courtesy of Joseph Lee. Uh, apparently, uh, content was shot for Star Wars Episode Nine. Uh, in an interview with MTV's Happy, Sad, Confused podcast, Star Wars Episode Nine director Colin Trevorrow revealed that he had Ryan Johnson, the directors of Star Wars: The Last Jedi, shoot content for the, his film. He said the following: "There was one little thing. It wasn't an adjustment. It was just could you shoot this one extra thing while you're in this place on this day?" And he did, which was great. But you know, it's part of the collaborative, collaborative process that exists. Everyone is in communication. There's such a genuine want to get this right from everybody. And I think that one of the misconceptions is that there's some kind of great corporate overlord that is dictating this story to everybody. And that's what's going that's what's going to be because that's going to sell the most toys. The reality of it is it's a small group of people that's actually, you know, kind of large when you think about it, and none of them are corporate. All of them are creatives and all of them are genuinely very sincerely wanting to do the work of their lives in order to realize this. As Trevor Rowe mentions, it was likely done because Johnson already had the right cast members at the right place. The news reveals that a location from The Last Jedi will be seen again in Episode 9, although it, 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 it remains to be seen which location that is. The Last Jedi arrives on December 15th of this year with Episode 9 following in May of 2019. Uh, any, any particular thoughts about this latest development? In well, you've got two good movies coming out in the next year or two, however. I mean, obviously the one you mentioned, December 15th on my birthday, however. An early Christmas hit, however, and a nice birthday gift, too. Uh, just uh, we hope that it becomes a big hit, as we said, however, and the dollar starts, dollars start rolling in throughout the world because, once again, it could be a big, big hit, to say the least, especially for the Christmas public, however, and for the early Christmas fans, however, who uh, might not have to wait very long to see it. Absolutely. So we can't wait for, like we said, the new uh, Star Wars movie, The uh, uh, Last Jedi, will be coming out, like I said, 10 days before Christmas on the 15th. And also, of course, Episode 9 coming out in May 2019. So we can't wait for that there as well. And 
I'm going to, and normally, like I said, as we as I did this last week and all, there's one wrestling story I will bring up. I'm sure JD, you'll be bringing it up here, of course, later on here on uh, maybe wrestling debate and also for revolution here a little bit later. But I've got to read this because it sounds pretty interesting. It's an NXT story, as a matter of fact. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm sure, like I said, as you've heard in recent memory, of course, one of the uh, uh, um, WWE signed, I think it was earlier this year, signed, I think, four uh, toughest males, female mm-hmm. competitors um, uh, for NXT. Uh, one of them, of course, I think was uh, coming in where she was named Kimberly. Yes. Uh, well, apparently now she has a new name on NXT, uh, just in case if you have not heard about it. Uh, she's been renamed in NXT. She's been renamed, like, give me just a second here. Uh, it appears acting a tad slow. Okay, here we go. Abby Leif. Hmm. A-B-B-E-Y, as in Westminster Abbey, I guess is what you spell it. Yes. And Leif is L-A-I-T-H. So, uh, so, so NAC, ladies and gentlemen, if you hear a superstar named Abby Leif, that is, of course, the, the NXT name of Kimberly. Huh. And, and also, of course, another story coming out of NXT here, which I think is, they, they film now, I think they, they show it every Wednesday night, don't they, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, on the network. Uh, they, oh, okay. Then we announced that video of a backstage brawl from earlier today NXT champion Bobby Roode attacked Roderick Strong. Oh, yeah, I heard about this. Yes, I heard about this. I wonder if it's going to air tonight. Yeah, there was some tension about this. I think it was, yeah, either this morning at the the, uh, Development Center in Orlando, or like you said, this afternoon in Orlando. Very interesting intensity there. Yes. Yeah, indeed. So apparently this is, it was just leading towards Roode and Strong, possibly. Possibly. In the the NXT title, maybe. A possibility we could see a match between these two in the coming weeks on the network on NXT, maybe one of the shows at Full Sail, or maybe possibly in Brooklyn uh, coming up in August at NXT TakeOver 3. So, let's keep that in mind here, folks. Like I said, apparently Bobby Roode and Roderick Strong are apparently trying to get, or apparently starting something here, of course, part of this brawl that happened earlier in the day. So, we have people watch that on that from our wrestling perspective here. And, of course, all of our guys here will definitely be letting us know about all that. In the meantime, this now, of course, uh, that's all I got before Levamania. And so now I turn it over to JD to, for his, of course, his contributions here. Uh, he's got a he's got a lot in the bag as well, so I'll, I'll give him the bag, and he can go ahead and start digging out and see what see what else we have to say here. JD, go ahead. We'll start off with the box office report, as we do every week here on Outside the Ropes. And this week, however, for you dads out there, new, old, whatever, however, we hope it was a great Father's Day for you all. But here are your top five movies of the week. Cars 3 sped off to the top spot this week, however, replacing Wonder Woman with a debut of $53.6 million. Wonder Woman was number two, dropping its spot to $41.2 million, and so far in three weeks on a budget of $149 million, has taken over $275 million in just three weeks' time. All eyes on me were definitely, however, the story of Tupac Shakur, however, debuted in third, however, to a pretty decent mixed bag this week, however, 26.4. The Mummy dropped two spots, however, with 14.5 million or 14.5 million. On a budget of 125 million in two weeks, it has already made 57.1 million dollars. Meanwhile, 47 meters down with 7 meters down with Mandy Moore, however, debuted in fifth place with 11.2 million this week. So again, The Mummy, 14.5 million. 
26.4, almost 26.5 million with all eyes on me. Wonder Woman and Car Street were your top movies this week. Meanwhile, however, movies coming out this week, however, include starring Keanu Reeves in limited role, a sci-fi movie called The Bad Batch. The Beagle, the remake with Clint Eastwood from 1971, starring Nicole Kidman, Kirsten Dunst, Colin Farrell, and Elle Fanning, will be in limited roles also this week. Phase on Love, however, Russell Peters star in the comedy Ripped. Luke Edwards, best known for his role as uh, um, in the movie uh, Little Big League, of course, Billy Haywood, back in the 90s, stars in The Beginner's Guide to Snuff, a horror movie. But the big movie this week, however, could be Transformers The Last Night, which debuted today, however, starring Mark Wahlberg and Anthony Hopkins. Early reports are saying it could debut this week to a big, big, staggering number of 70 to $100 million in its opening week. So we'll definitely be watching that. Meanwhile, some sports news, Howard. We've got plenty of sports news since last week, of course, uh, when we told you, of course, the congratulations to goes out to the Golden State Warriors and the Pittsburgh Penguins for becoming world champions this year. Last Wednesday, of course, 650,000 packed into the Pittsburgh Penguins parade, supposedly in Pittsburgh. But also, folks, Marc-Andre Fleury, the goalie known as the Flower here in Pittsburgh, did his last act, however, maybe as a Penguin and a member of Pittsburgh last night with his lovely wife, building a playground for children. Early reports were saying that Flurry could be drafted tonight, however, during the NHL awards ceremony, which will be taking place in Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada, um, of course, and be a member of the Golden Knights team. Also, earlier today, the Penguins announced, however, that they will be hosting the St. Louis Blues, however, when they raised the Stanley Cup banner, however, on October 4 in their first home game of the season at the PPG Paints Arena, formerly the Console Energy Center, at 8 o'clock on Wednesday, that Wednesday night, October the 4th, for national television. The following night, of course, they will be in Chicago, however, to take on the Blackhawks for their first home road game of the season, and I believe the Blackhawks opener. Meanwhile, some other news going on, Howard. As we said, folks, it has been a crazy week. Of course, congratulations goes out to Brooks Kepka, who shot 16 under during the week, however, at Aaron Hills, Wisconsin, however, mind you, to win his first major as U.S. Open champion this past weekend. But it was not without controversy. Shane Lowry, however, says that he's looking forward to the type of return U.S. Open courses which produce carnage after with two new venues in the last three years. Despite finishing a tie for 46th, however, and Brooks Kepka's winning total equaled the tournament set by Rory McIlroy in 2011. A total of 31 players finished under par, however, for the week, however, mind you. However, Lowry admitted, however, mind you, he, uh, I just saw it, however, he will be happy with the more traditional venues, which has already been announced, starting with Shinnecock Hills next year, followed by Pebble Beach the following year. Lowry had plenty to say following last week's U.S. Open tournament in Wisconsin by making the following statements. He took a four-shot lead into the final round a year ago at Oakmont Country Club just outside of Pittsburgh before finishing in a tie for second. If Aaron Hills didn't play how I would have liked, however, I would have liked to have seen it play tougher, firmer, faster. If you had a windy day this Sunday with a firm course, it would have been carnage out there. But that's what I would have liked. People were talking about which type of U.S. Open do you prefer, and, and Oakmont and a level winning, score, winning score is the type of U.S. Open I like. It's only once a year, but we do have to play it. It's every other event in an absolute shootout. So not, not, not play a U.S. Open as hard as you can, and the best golfer at the end is going to win. Meanwhile, some other news in golf, however, earlier this week, however, it was announced, however, after missing the U.S. Open last week, however, due to the fact, however, his star was graduating high school, after 25 years in which uh, he uh, 
helped his uh, man win 41 of 42 PGA Tour events. Jim Bones McKay, however, after 25 years, announced how he will be leaving Phil, and as a result, they split yesterday afternoon. McKay said this earlier, t- you know, late last night. Player-caddy relationships don't often last that long. I will always be grateful that I was around to witness so much of Phil's career, however. When Phil hired me in 1992, I had one dream, to caddy in a Ryder Cup. Last year at Hazeltine, he played in his 11th straight Ryder Cup. It was cool to have a front row seat. Of course, he is also, and this is what Phil had to say, however, about his split as his younger brother Tim will take over for the rest of the season, however. After 25 very rewarding and memorable years, Bones and I have mutually decided to end our player-caddy relationship. Our decision is not based on a single incident. We just feel that it's the right time for a change. He is also one of the most knowledgeable and dedicated, dedica, excuse me, dedicated caddies in the world. He is always prepared and has the ability to make decisions in pressure-packed situations. He is without a doubt one of the most thoughtful people that I have ever known. The next player to work with him will obviously be very, very lucky. Meanwhile, however, in other golf news, however, Dustin Johnson has already opened up as the favorite, according to Las Vegas Sportsbook, at 10-1, to 1, however, next month at Royal Birkdale Golf Club in Southport, England. Kepka, who just won the U.S. Open last week, is already 7th best at 25-1, with Rory McIlroy Jordan Spieth at 12-1 odds, and Sergio Garcia at 15-1. to 1. Meanwhile, the NBA draft is going to be held in Brooklyn, New York, tomorrow night, however, at the Barclays Center. But it could be a wild night, however, in more ways than one. Sunday, it was announced that the 76ers and the Boston Celtics were flip-flopping picks. The Celtics, who originally were drafted number three, uh, uh, apparently number one, however, and the Philadelphia Sixers at number three, flip-flopped the spot, however, from three to one, as the Sixers now will have the top pick, and early reports say that they will take a kid out of Washington, while the big story, obviously, is going on what's in L.A., According to reports, however, from what we have heard, how Alonzo Ball, the superstar, however, however, earlier today said that the Lakers have a plan, but he doesn't know what that plan could be, however. Of course, Ball made these comments, however, after the Lakers last night traded Russell Westbrook, however, to the Brooklyn Nets, however, to get D'Angelo uh, Russell last night, however, for the 27th pick overall, however. Now, Ball, as you know, of course, did say this when I say I thought about the Russell trades to make room for him to play point guard. You know, the Lakers have a plan. We'll see whatever that is in the future. Now, Ball, of course, is the freshman coming out of UCLA, however, whose father, of course, has been pimping him out like crazy over the last few months, however, including the fact, however, he is doing his own big-name brand and offering people to buy shoes at a record 500 bucks a pop. Yes. Yes, but Markelit Fultz, however, Mar- Markel Fultz, F-U-L-T-Z, however, is his name, however, mind you, however, is the guy's name, however, and like I said, this is the guy who, according to reports, however, could be, however, the top pick tomorrow night for the Sixers at number one. Uh, like I said, there's still some talk about that, however. Also, of course, there's been talk about the Houston Rockets, however, could be making some noise in the draft, however, down there in the Lone Star State, and possibly getting either Chris Paul, possibly, or even Blake Griffin from the L.A. Clippers. Also, last night, the Atlanta Hawks, apparently, you know, like this, Chad, traded Dwight Howard to your Charlotte team, believe it or not, as he is now a member of the Charlotte Hornet basketball team. Um, Yeah. 
some other news to report, of course, like you said, however, uh, apparently Adam Schefter is reporting that the Oakland Raiders are coming close to a deal of re-signing quarterback Derek Carr at a whopping $25 million per season, believe it or not. $25 million. Yeah, I know. He wants to make some big buku money, apparently, before the Raiders take off of Vegas. Uh, also, of course, earlier today, I'm sure everyone heard this, but if they did not, apparently an officer was attacked in Flint, Michigan, early this morning at Bishop Airport in that area. According to reports, however, the gentleman, however, uh, uh, who has been identified as a police as a police officer, I just saw his name, so bear with me here, folks. I'm trying to find his name, however, uh, known as Officer... Uh, uh, where is it? Oh, I just saw it a second ago. Hold on. Bear with me, guys. Uh, let's see here. Where is it? Uh, Lieutenant has been identified as... I uh, just saw it a second. I just saw it a second ago. Uh, okay, here we go. Jeff Neville was stabbed in the neck this morning, however, following an incident Jeff Neville at Flint International Airport. The FBI says that they are still investigating the officer stabbing as an act of terrorism, as the man shouted out in Arabic, God is great, however, mind you. Also in the politic world, however, before we get back to the officer story real quick, we want to congratulate Republican Karen Handel, who last night, however, became the first female GOP rep to be elected to Congress, however, in the state of Georgia. She won the election last night. Uh, but like I said, getting back to uh, Mr. Neville for just a minute, uh, Congressman Dan Kildee, however, said, however, earlier today, however, that the suspect, shortly after stabbing Officer Neville in the neck, was taken into custody and is still being questioned by law enforcement officers. The airport, of course, was shut down for most of the afternoon, however, and is now, I believe, been uh, reopened just a short time ago, but was shut down for most of the day due to this uh, horrifying act. And like I said, according to reports, however, uh, like I said, however, it was pretty crazy, to say the least. It says, uh, NBC News investigative journalist Tom Winter reported the Canadian-born suspect shouted, Allahu Akbar, however, multiple, before stabbing him multiple times. They said, however, he made statements and prior to the, while attacking the officer, but it is still too early to determine the nature of the alleged statements or whether or not it was an act of terrorism. But... This is what the FBI said in a statement. Based on information that we have at this time, we believe this to be an isolated incident. Well, it didn't seem like that isolated, however, whatsoever. And, of course, one final story to report. Came back to basketball again real quick. Reports out of Los Cleveland have reported, however, that possibly the Cleveland Cavaliers, after letting their GM go, could be letting LeBron James go as well. Despite the fact there have been multiple reports over the last week or so, or the last two or three days, reports say that possibly Indiana Pacers superstar Paul George could be joining James Howard to be either a member of the Los Angeles Lakers or Clippers. Speaking of the Clippers, the Clippers got Mr. Clutch, Jerry West, former Los Angeles Lakers superstar and a member of the Golden State front office, Howard, last week to become their new, I believe, GM of the basketball franchise. Oh, my goodness. Thank you very much, Eric J.D. Big time news there indeed, folks, and, uh, of course, like I said, we bring this to you each and every night, Wednesday night, right here, <clears throat> like I said, on the outside of the ropes. 1724-444-7444, call ID 141-387-POUND. Of course, this is episode number, <clears throat> what did I say this was, 58? Yes. Yeah, yes, 58. 
1968. Of course, if outside the ropes, of course, this is Wednesday, June 21st, 2017. Of course, once again, I am Mr. WWUS Chad Hinshaw alongside the Iceman, J.D. Jeremy Girama, who right now is getting into his fireproof suit. The seat is flaming hot, for what I understand. And, we'll be, <clears throat> and, of course, he will be making his way to that chair in just a few moments. So of course, I will do, of course, a couple of quick plugs. Uh, be sure, of course, to join in about an hour. Be sure to join, of course, uh, the Iceman along with Keen W.O. Javar T. Smith. Of course, I'm sure a popular guest for WWS Wrestling Debate coming up here at 8 o'clock. Call ID, of course, 139-925. As, of course, I'll be bringing up some uh, interesting uh, discussions and debates here. I'm sure, like I said, everything's on Monday Night Raw, too. Uh, SmackDown last night to, of course, Money in the Bank this past Sunday. Um, and some other topics will probably be coming into play as well. So be sure to join them for the rest of the debate here coming up in, a, in an hour. Like I said, I, from 8 to 9, of course, call ID 139-925-POUND. And then I will be back on at 9 o'clock, of course, with the Mothership Broadcast, WWS Revolution, as we present episode 351. Of course, once again, we'll be bringing you, of course, our rest of news and views, also our history and birthdays. Then, of course, we'll definitely have a lot to talk about here, of course, with SmackDown, of course, this weekend, having the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. And, of course, uh, the aftermath that was here uh, last night, which, of course, a couple of stories has, has developed that occurred on SmackDown last night as a result of what happened on Sunday. And we'll talk about that here, of course, as well as, of course, some of our and extras. We may be debuting a surprise here tonight. We're not sure yet, but we'll let everyone know about that. But, of course, Revolution is 138055 pounds from 9 to 11 p.m., Join myself and the panel way too tough to handle as we, of course, do our, our big-time routine of <clears throat> bringing you the best professional wrestling talk there is. Now, let's go ahead and dive right in here. I think J.D.'s got the suit on. I think he is – I think he's, he's – uh, sitting a little bit comfortable there. Before we start that, I'll quick remind – Go ahead, J.D., please. So, real quick, before we can start that, however, remind you, a quick reminder, folks, that this Monday, episode number 99 will be – celebrate on Raw Radio, of course, we have a lot to talk about, and then the following week, right before the 4th of July, right before you want to have your famous cookout, burgers, dogs, kibasi, whatever, however, or even the fireworks in the air, however, celebrate in style, however, because this Monday we'll take a look back at what has been the good, the bad, and let's just say the unusual first 99 shows, however, as we plan to do that this week, maybe, but also next week we will be celebrating a birthday, number 100 in the book. Absolutely, and we'll definitely be watching, and we'll definitely, of course, be joining, uh, joining, like I said, JD and and Keen WO, Jawar Smith, and the and the human supposed machine John Gross, and I'm sure a lot of other folks will be popping on to give their takes on everything that has taken place during the first 99 episodes of <clears throat> of Raw Radio here coming up this Monday, as well as of course the following week, the day before the Fourth of July. Uh, of course, episode number 100 will come into play. And, of course, it will be, once again, a big-time celebration on Raw Radio coming up, like I said, from 3 to 5 p.m. So, on 38744-pound, do not miss both these shows, as both will have a lot of historical uh, significance here uh, coming up here within the next uh, <clears throat> within the next two weeks, of course. Uh, and also, month. we will be celebrating in a way, however, real quick, however, just to let you know, however, real quick, however... We will definitely be talking about also on, what was it, uh, July 3rd, however, the Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view that same day. Yes, indeed. So we'll definitely be bringing that here to everyone's attention here. Of course, it will be, it'll be, it'll be just lit up all over the place here. Of course, like I said, coming up next Monday, June 26th for number 99. 
And then, of course, July 3rd for episode number 100. Of course, of the Monday afternoon tradition, WCWS Raw Radio. <clears throat> so don't be sure be sure not to miss out on a whole lot of fun. And JD, speaking of fun, he's having a lot of fun sitting in that five pursuit sitting in that flaming chair over there. So um, I think it's going to heat up over there. So let's go ahead and ask these questions before he starts to pull off a little bit. Of course, we go with that. We thank, of course, polls.amctv.com. Of course, the Super Movie Quiz here. Of course, we got 19 questions this time here, J.D. Uh, movie trivia, of course, in the past and present. <clears throat> and let's just, let's just test this knowledge. Let's see. Let's see if he knows, a, if he knows a great deal here, of course, about the world of the movies. All right, J.D., I think he, I think sounds like to me you're kind of ready to go there. Uh, all right. So, all right, let's go ahead and, and, and kick it in the high gear. First question. In the biopic Man on, Man on the Moon from 1999, of course, about eccentric American entertainer Andy Kaufman, of course, was played by Jim Carrey, which of the following four major events in Andy Kaufman's life was chronologically placed at the end of the film but actually occurred much earlier? And I'll name these four. Was it A, his Carnegie Hall Milk and Cookies performance, B, his guest appearance on Taxi, C, his impersonation of Elvis, or D, his long-running feud with professional wrestler Jerry the King Lawler? Oh, his long professional feud with uh, Lawler, however. It was all... It's at the end of the film, but actually occurred much earlier. Oh, um... Well, right. I'm going to say I'm gonna say the Lawler feud, because it was pretty early, I remember. Okay. Even though it occurred much earlier, they, they placed this at the end of the movie. I'm yep, I'll be right back. Okay, and while JD does that, I will let him. I will go ahead and, and reveal here. Okay, I'll wait here for JD to get back here, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> while he. Uh... And and we're going to wait for JD. Like so, ladies and gentlemen, of course, be sure to join us here. There in a few moments for wrestling debate, of course, with uh, the NW of Madness Kingdom as they bring you, of course, some wrestling uh, discussions and debate. <laughs> oh, excuse me. And, uh, of course, coming up here from 8 to 9, of course, 139.925 pounds. And, of course, like I said, also, ladies and gentlemen, be sure to join us here uh, for Revolution from 9 to 11. Of course, we'll be bringing some big-time stories here, of course, including our thoughts and opinions on what took place this past Sunday at Money in the Bank as well as, of course, what took place at the aftermath of Money in the Bank, of course, the SmackDown Live. And, of course, I will also mention that tonight's uh, live video feed will be, of course, uh, coming from the group called Facebook Wrestling Community. So be sure to join us here for that. And, of course, I will bring you the website for that when we when we come on to Revolution here, coming up a little bit after 9 o'clock. Uh, J.D., have you returned, sir? Okay, he has not yet. So, uh, of course, also, ladies and gentlemen, be sure to catch, uh, like I said, um, check out all of our other groups here, of course, in WWUS. There you will find, of course, several of the live videos that we have done for several of the shows, including, of course, Revolution and Wolfpack. Of course, we have done a couple here outside the box. Of course, a couple of, we have done some with Raw Radio, and we also have done some with uh, Attitude Radio as well. But be sure to join. Be sure to uh, check out check out all of our, like I said, uh, live video feeds here. And uh, some do not come out 
<clears throat> all the way through, of course, you can always go back to TalkShoot.com and listen to the entire uh, entire show, of course. There might have been some occasions where some of the videos did not come through clearly, but, um, but, uh, but you know, but at least, like I said, you can still listen to the whole thing through, uh, like I said, TalkShoot.com, of course, all the time. Uh, J.D., are you have your return? Okay, he has not yet. I don't know if you said step away for just a moment. Also, we I wanted to also mention here too. Of course, as we talked about over the weekend, uh, we did get word. Uh, okay, I'm back. Okay, well there is there is uh, JD there. Uh, JD has returned. Of course, the answer to your the answer to the question, JD, it was the Carnegie Hall Milk and Cookies performance. The notorious Carnegie Hall Milk and Cookies performance, portrayed in the film as one of Kaufman's last performances after he was diagnosed with cancer had in fact occurred much earlier in his career. Huh. So the Milk and Cookies performance. You know he also was at a WWF show back in 79 at MSG? Believe it or not, that is actually on YouTube. I just saw the video. Yeah, Wrestling, Wrestling Collector. I put that off of him. There's a photo of him, but yeah, go figure. Yeah, we'll have to... Uh, we'll have to put, then we'll have to put that up in the video vault there, folks, so... I've been also watching another one there from uh, back in 88. That was when Hogan and Big Boss Man wrestled each other at the L.A. Sports Arena, uh, of course. <clears throat> Which I had no idea they actually tore the sports arena down. So I didn't know that. Anyway, next question right here. In the offbeat comedy Napoleon Dynamite from 04, the Carrot Top geeky high school character played by John Heater became the manager of the class president campaign for which other character? Was it Deb, Kip, Pedro, or Summer? Pedro. I believe that sounds just about right. Yeah, it was Pedro. Napoleon dedicated himself to helping his Mexican friend Pedro, played by Efren Ramirez, compete against snobby Summer, who was played by Hillary Duff's sister Haley, for the position of class president. Both Summer, both Summer, both Summer. There you go. I didn't know she was in that movie. Yeah, I saw the movie, but I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Re- I didn't uh, realize that she. Was yeah, there. Tina Mangero, however, who was in the movie Andre about the Seal movie, however, who was also in a uh, in the movie with Man Loves a Woman, Andy Garcia, and uh, Meg Ryan back in '94 was uh, Deb. Oh, okay, okay. All right, thank you, there, JD. Next question here: In how many films did Bela Lugosi portray the character of Count Dracula? Two, three, four, or five? How many words? How many films did he portray Dracula? Four. You say four. The answer is actually only two. Hmm. I don't know. Although Lugosi portrayed a vampire character in a number of films, his only two portrayals of Count Dracula were in the original Dracula in 1931 and in the comedy hybrid spoof Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein from 1948. I did not know that either. I'm sorry, Johnny Carson. I did not know that. Next question. In what film did Spencer Tracy receive a Best Actor nomination for his role as a one-armed World War II veteran who uncovered a hostile desert town's awful past secrets? Was it Bad Day at Black Rock from 1955, The Man with a Golden Arm from also from 55, The Naked Spur from 53, or Pursued from 47? 
I'm going to say the male's golden arm 55. And that's actually a bad day at Black Rock. Came out the same year. Spencer Tracy as John J. McCready discovered in 1945 that the fictional town of Black Rock had a shameful secret. The, Jan- the Japanese farming father of his army buddy who had saved his life during the war was the victim of a heinous racist murder. Next question. Who was the only actor to play all four classic movie monsters, the Wolfman, Frankenstein, the Mummy, and Count Dracula? Was it Lon Chaney Jr., Lon Chaney Sr., Boris Karloff, or Bela Lugosi? I'm going to say Boris Karloff. Say Boris. Actually, it was Lon Jr. Lon portrayed the Wolfman in The Wolfman in 1941 and also some other films. The Frankenstein Monster in The Ghost of Frankenstein in 1942. Cars, The Mummy in The Mummy's Tomb from 1942. The Mummy's Ghost in 1944 and The Mummy's Curse in 1944. And also Count Dracula in Son of Dracula from 1943. Which of the following films won a Razzie Award in every category in which it was nominated? Was it Catwoman from 04? Jiggly, I guess it's best way I can pronounce it, from 03, The Postman from 97, or Showgirls from 95? I'm going to say Showgirls from 95. It was actually The Postman. Won all five of its nominations, including Worst Picture and Worst Actor from Kevin Costner. Well, I thought it was a pretty good movie myself. The other wins nominations were as follows. Catwoman... <clears throat> Uh, four out of seven, Jiggly, six out of nine, and Showgirls, seven out of 13. Hmm. Okay. My goodness. All of the following films are considered film noirs, except which of the following four? The Killers from 46, The Maltese Falcon from 41, Beat John Doe from 41, or Mildred Pierce from 45. I'm going to say uh, A. You're going to say The Killers. Yeah. Okay. Actually, Meet John Doe was was not a film war. Frank Camper's romantic and political drama Meet John Doe from 41 starred Gary Cooper as the title character John Willoughby, a.k.a. John Doe, and Barbara Stanwyck as hard-nosed newspaper columnist Ann Mitchell. On a film set, who has the overall responsibility for managing the lighting in a film production? Sorry about that. What were we seeing? Okay, on a film set, who has the overall responsibility for managing the lighting in a film production? Is the best boy, the boom operator, the gaffer, or the key grip? Gaffer. The gaffer. The answer is... Yes, the gaffer, also known as chief lighting technician, manages the electrical lighting and film production, and a gaffer's assistant is known as a best boy. Which film had the following tagline? Heaven and Earth are about to collide. Was it Armageddon from 98, The Day After Tomorrow from 04, Deep Impact from 98, or When Worlds Collide from 51? What was the question? Sorry about that. Which film had the following tagline? Heaven and Earth are about to collide. 
And what are the choices again? Armageddon from 98, The Day After Tomorrow from 04, Deep Impact from 98, or When Worlds Collide from 51. I'm going to say When Worlds Collide, hello. Actually, it was Deep Impact from 98. Director Mimi Letters, science fiction disaster film Deep Impact, told about a comet on a collision course with Earth about a year away from impact. A team of astronauts were sent into space to destroy the comet, but things went horribly, horribly wrong. Next, next question. Next question here. How many Oscar nominations did Cary Grant receive during his entire career? None, one, two, or three? Two. Two. You're right, it was two. Cary Grant received only two Best Actor nominations during his career, one for Penny Serenade in 41, and none but The Lonely Heart in 44, but lost both. They were dramatic roles when he was mostly noted for lighter fare. <clears throat> okay, here's another one for a tagline. So remember this tagline very carefully, JD, when I give you these when I give you the choices. The tagline reads as follows Prepare to be blown out of the water. Which 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 of the following four films did this tagline come from? Was it Captain Horatio Hornbolt Blower from fifty one? Dan the Defiant from 62, Master and Commander the Far Side of the World from 03, or Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, also from 03. I'm going to say uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Pirates of the Caribbean? Yes, right, Pirates, that's right. The first of three Pirates of the Caribbean films by director Gore Verbinski attended to market the pirate film as an action adventure with great special effects. That was, that, was, that was not bad. Which early movie studio was known for B-Westerns, serials, and, and for burgeoning on star, and for burgeoning star John Wayne? Was it Goldwyn Pictures, Republic Pictures, RKO, or Universal? RKO. RKO. It was actually Republic. Known as a Poverty Rose studio, Republic Pictures was created in 1935 and was represented by its iconic Eagle logo. Next question, of course, we're at number 13. In what country did the classic adventure film The General Died at Dawn from 1936 take place? China, Indonesia, Japan, or Russia? Japan? Okay, Japan. It was actually... Ooh, close. It was actually China. Conflict between an American mercenary played by Gary Cooper and a ruthless warlord, Akeem Tamirov, took place in war-torn China. Who was the only six-time Best Actress Oscar nominee who never won? Was it Ingrid Bergman, Deborah Kerr, Norma Shearer, or or Sissy Spacek? Sissy Spacek. Actually, Deborah Kerr. In Oscar history, there were five six-time Best Actress nominees, Bergman, Jane Fonda, Shearer, Spacek, and Kerr, and Deborah Kerr was the only one to never win. Oh, this is going out way bad, J.D., so think very, very hard here. Which Buster Keaton film was, was claimed to be a parody or satire 
of director D.W. Griffith, Griffith's epic Intolerance from 1916. Was it The Navigator from 24, Seven Chances from 25, Sherlock Jr. from 24, or Three Ages from 23? B, as in boy. You're saying which one? B as in boy. B as in boy. You're saying Seven Chances. And the answer is... It's actually Three Ages from 23. Buster Keaton's first feature-length comedy, Three Ages from 1923, had an episodic three-part narrative structure, Stone Age, Roman Age, and Modern Age, similar to the four historical eras in Griffith's film. Question number 16. What is the name of the film crew individual who creates naturalistic sound effects for a film after it has been shot? Is it the best boy, the Foley artist, the recording engineer, or the sound effects editor? Recording engineer. Recording engineer. The answer is, actually, it's the Foley artist who created match, match sound effects with the action in a picture are named after are named after one the film film arts earliest one of the film arts earliest practitioner practitioners, Jack Foley who worked for Universal. Question number 17. Which, which, my mouth is getting a little bit ahead of itself. Which 1920s film is generally considered the first feature-length formal documentary film? Is it Chang, A Drama in the Wilderness, Wrath, A Nation's Battle for Life, Ona, or Nanook of the North? Uh, C. You're saying Mona, okay, and the answer is it was Nanook of the, Mo- of the North. Robert J. Flaherty's groundbreaking Nanook of the North in 1922, funded by a French fur company, huh, documented the life of an Inuit Eskimo in the Canadian Arctic, even before the term documentary was coined. All right, next question. All the following pairings of film movements with representative films are correct, except which one? Is it? And this is this is going to be a big list, JD. So listen very carefully. German expressionism from the cabinet of Dr. Caligari from 1920, Soviet montage, the battleship Potemkin in 1925, French poetic realism, Breathless in 1960. Or Italian neorealism, Rome, Open City, 1946. I'm gonna say D. D is in boy. D is in dog. D is in dog. You're okay. You okay? The answer is it's actually French. Actually, it was the the French poetic realism. It was best exemplified by Jean Renoir, by Grand Illusion, 1937. And Rules of the Game, 1939. Breathless, 1960, Breathless from 1960 exemplified the French New Wave movement of the 1960s. And the final question, J.D. In the opening scene of the classic film noir D.O.A. from 1950, what was the lead character, small-town accountant Frank Bigelow, played by Edmund O'Brien, dying from? Was it blood poisoning, a bullet wound, Cancer or radiation poisoning? Blood poisoning. Blood poisoning. The answer is, it was actually radiation poisoning. Oh. 
Frank Bigelow had only a few days to live after swallowing a slow-acting, glow-in-the-dark, luminous toxin called Idrian. And J.D. got four, four, four out of 19 correct. So. That was a tough one. Yeah, well, there were some tough ones there indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, but, on that note, J.D., oh, do you want to add something? Yeah, else, I was Katie? just going to tell you, this is what the thing was I found, what they were saying now. I did mention the Lonzo Ball story earlier. Now, this is what they said, however, according to reports. Ball said when he thought about the Russell trades to make room for him to play point guard, you know the Lakers have a plan, so whatever it is, we will see whatever it is in the future. Now, on Tuesday, as we said, the trade did happen. Now, wearing his big ball or brand shirt, he says he has, quote, a clean suit picked out that he's not had the Triple B logo on to wear for tomorrow night, and that his big ball or brand shoes, the ones that are $500, will be out in November. He did grow up a Lakers fan watching Kobe and Shaq and recently met Brian for a few minutes while the two were working with ESPN. And he hopes he'll be adding a Lakers cap to a suit after the second pick is announced. Now, this is what he said of his father's reaction once he will be drafted. I can't tell the future. I know he's going to be happy. He's going to be smiling. He'll be smiling. I'll be smiling. Get the hat and go from there. So uh, this is a guy, like I said, folks, who for the past couple months has really kind of made, a, I wouldn't say a mockery of his own being, but, I mean, it's just, I mean, if you go back to listen to some of the shows, however, from, like, Rich, the Rich Eisen show and Colin Coward and uh, First Take, how ESPN First Take with uh, Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman and Skip and Shannon on Undisputed on FS1, I mean, all of them are all talking about the same thing over and over and over again. It seems like the same thing goes on and has been going on for quite a while now, but... It just seems like really in the last couple months, all you've been hearing more and more is this story. And the question is, with the draft being tomorrow night, will he be a hometown boy? Will he stay close to home and play his pro ball in Los Angeles and be a member of the Lakers? I mean, I'm a Laker fan myself, however, and I have been a Laker fan a long time. Believe me, my heart is purple and gold. But I have got to say, and I've said it many times over, and I'm going to be the first to say it here, if the Lakers, and I've said this to a bunch of my friends already, and I think I've brought this up over the last little while on almost every show we've been on, however, if they do not draft him, they do not draft him tomorrow night as the second pick in the lottery in Brooklyn as a Laker. I'm not going to be upset. No, no. I just think the Lakers then would be committing career suicide. I mean, they traded their best player out last night, and like I said, Russell. I mean, they traded him, uh, like I said, D'Angelo Russell, who's been there only two years, not a couple years already. He's only 21. You get Brooke Lopez, an extra pick, however. And look, Russell, of course, he's only 21. He averaged 15.5 points and had a four and a half, a 4.8 on five assists this past year, 15.5 points per game. Now, I don't know if his rookie contract was up after this coming, like, 28, this, a year from now, however. Or he had two more years to go. But if the Lakers are investing in guys like Ball, they better hope they can get a big-name franchise player. They have not been successful, shall we say, since Kobe retired and since Shaq left them. Now, if they think they still have a chance of going after, like, say, a Paul George from Indiana, unless he decides to re-sign with the Pacers, and this is just all posturing by George at this point to give him more money staying in Indiana, fine. But if he's going out to L.A., uh, possibly either after next this next year or he's going to go out sooner than later. Good luck to him. 
as far as LeBron James go and the Cleveland Cavaliers, I mean, I have a friend in California who grew up in Cleveland and likes everything in Cleveland. And like I said, I know he won't want me to talk about silly gossip rumors and whatnot, but like I said, after what's been going on the last couple of weeks, maybe this is just, again, like Lonzo Ball in the case of LeBron James. But if LeBron decides to want to go to L.A., however, and be the cornerstone, big boy, uh, that he's always been, how I'd be, like, the new face of L.A., that the Lakers better shelve out some pretty hard, serious cash to get him and try to build around him. Because I'll tell you right now, I mean, you saw what happened in the NBA Finals a couple weeks ago. You saw Kevin Durant. You saw Clay Thompson. You saw Draymond Green. You saw Steph Curry absolutely put a clinic, a clinic on LeBron, well, I wouldn't say he didn't put up on LeBron, but LeBron's team. I mean, you have Kyrie Irving, who's now saying he wants to get out of his contract in Cleveland unless he gets the right offer to come along, and that could happen as early as next year. Kevin Love could be gone. You saw the Cavs let go their GM this past week. So Cleveland is taking, as we always say, the old thing goes, you take two steps forward and usually three or four steps back. Well, in the past less than a week or so, the Cavs are taking some major steps backwards. So, unless they get a decent GM, and there is talk they might be going after Chauncey Phillips, they interviewed him a second time and might make him their new GM. That's fine. If they can get him as GM, then that's a start. But if they don't re-sign Irving or James or even keep loving, keep those big three together, the Cavaliers, however, who for the last four or five years, however, who have been dominating the East, challenging the Chicago's, the Boston's, the Miami's. They could be like what the Lakers have been the last few years, and that is lose their fan base and lose uh, all sorts of uh, credibility in the city of Cleveland, and they'll go back to what they were doing before LeBron even came to them in their lap, and that is falling way below the standings and maybe even worse. So they better think long and hard about keeping their core together for the time being. Because if they don't, they're going to be heading down the tracks and maybe right into the middle of the river. And there's no chance of survival at all. None. Because LeBron is that team. He is their MVP. He is their hometown boy. Yes, a lot of people still get pissed off, me included, and I've got to say I was one of them, when he left to go to Miami. But... He did good at Miami. He did pretty well. But when he came home, however, he was promising them a championship. He got that. He's won a couple championships. He's already surpassed every expectation in some. I mean, look at what he's done in the postseason over the years. He passed Jordan up for God's sake this year. Everyone keeps saying, oh, he'll be, he's never going to be the equal as Jordan. Maybe not as far as terms of championships go. That's fine. Jordan is always going to be and will be the king forever and a day. But if there are guys that could challenge him for that title now, you look at guys like him, you look at guys like Curry, Kevin Durant, Tim Duncan, Russell Westbrook, that's another guy. I mean, him, that's another, that's, him and C. Paul III, Chris Paul III, however, and Blake Griffin are three guys I feel are next to win a title at some point. Durant got his MVP already. 
He got his NBA trophy this year. He was dominant. We saw what he did this year by kicking. I mean, him and LeBron were matching stride for stride, however, in points. And like I said, for the longest time, people were always down on Durant. Durant now can say, I won an NBA trophy. LeBron James has won two. But for guys like uh, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul III, James Harden and those guys, type of guys, Howard, even Blake Griffin, their time could be coming at some point down the road, or very soon. But if they never win a trophy, I'll, I mean, I'll like Pat Ewing, who, Patrick Ewing, who never won a title, are they still going to be criticized? Maybe. Maybe not. But they'll still go down as the best. But like I said, with this new core generation of young guys are coming in, like the Balls, um, the, uh, these other, the, the kid from, other kid from Kentucky, Monk, the NBA has got to sit down, and Adam Silver's got to really, really ponder this carefully. And I know he was talking about this recently with Rich Eisen, and I think he talked about it not on Rich Eisen's show, but a couple other shows too. The NBA has got to make a rule at some point and tell these kids, 18 or 19, after a year of college or high school, that you've got to wait an extra year. And they're talking about putting the two they're talking about doing it now. For two years now, if you're in college for two years, you can come out to the NBA then, if you just so if you want to. If it doesn't pass, however, and they still stick to the rule of 18, 19 year olds, however, it's still going to be a little bit of a problem, but I won't lose sleep over it. It's just that the NBA has got to make some sort of changes right now. Yes, it's still getting popular. I mean, it's it's po- and right now I'd say a lot of people are saying, oh, it's not popular right now because you have the same old suspects. Yeah, maybe so. But like I said, the television ratings in the last four or five, maybe six years, because of matchups like I've mentioned, the Randing and James, or James and possibly Wade versus Wade, or James versus uh, the kid from Boston, Thomas, or uh, Paul Pierce, or Chris Paul III. The NBA is... Is not a, I mean, it's, it still has its punch. Don't get me wrong. It still has punch and power. But at the same time, however, it's just some of these games, however, and some of these series, however, just like the NHL, go on way too long. And I think that the commissioners of those leagues have got to sit down at some point and to sit down and just either realize they've got to shorten the season at some point, however, or they just got to cut the series games down a bit. Because you see too much of it. I mean, the hockey league just ended, as we just said, not even a week and a half ago. And usually it ends around June. And then, yes, you have a couple months to enjoy yourself. Fine. But also, during this time, you see free agency go on. Then, all of a sudden, here it is, training camp again, or the start of a new season. It's too short of a season. That's why, and this is my final piece of the night, I'm going to say this, and this is about another sport that really goes on all year long. And I think they really should start looking at maybe cutting down their season is a sport I always play, and that's golf. You still have your four majors. That's fine. Your U.S. Opens, your British Opens, your PGAs, your matches. Fine. But I think the PGA committee has got to sit down. This is one thing that really, really has irked me. And and I didn't tell you about this when I did uh, my piece earlier. There has been talk at some point that next year that the PGA is going to start basically – adding next year, starting next season, October, at the start of next season, will be beefing up its, quote, anti-doping 
policy, however, by adding blood testing and bringing its list of banned substances in line with the World Anti-Doping Association, the WADA. Now, Andy Levinson said this earlier today, or I guess recently said this, however, who oversees the anti-doping policy. Urine is by far more efficient testing method of 98% plus of what we're looking for. Really, one of the few things only detectable in blood is HGH. First off, however, I think the PGA is acting totally, totally ridiculous with this. I don't know why you need to test golfers. There is nothing wrong with golfers that should be banned or should be allowed to be tested. You don't see guys like Jordan Spieth, Roy McIlroy, Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, Adam Scott, Bubba Watson, and a host of others that will go with this. And if the commissioner decides to ban these guys, however, if they don't agree to that, however, mind you, however, then, then the commissioner should just resign his post. Because these are the guys who bring in the money for your enjoyment every week, whatever course you're watching these tournaments at. I just think the PGA to announce that they're going to do drug testing for the league is absolutely heinous. It's asinine. And it's ridiculous. You didn't see this back in the day when you had guys like Nicholas, Palmer, Watson, and all those guys. For the PGA to take this stand now against these guys, they should just absolutely eliminate this thing altogether. And I think if they don't, however, they're going to lose a lot of people in respect in a lot of ways, including me. So to the PGA, I say to you this in wrapping up my final statement of the night. If you don't get this thing drop tower quickly. You're going to lose, like I said, my respect, a lot of people's respect, and then you're going to say to yourself, what did we do wrong? Why did we do this? Well, gee, let's think about it. You decided to drug test golfers. I mean, what are you going to do next? Are you going to tell the LPGA how to test their female golfers like Lexi Thompson, Michelle Weed, and all these Asians? I'm sorry. This is not right. This is absolutely not called for. And I think they better take a long, hard look of deciding to do this one. Because I'm telling you right now, it doesn't sit well with me at all. Not at all. Very good points to you all around there, J.D. We do thank you very much here for bringing that to our attention. A little bit, little bit, uh, a little bit over there, but that's quite all right there, ladies and gentlemen. A great way to, of course, end episode number 58 of, of WCWS Outside the Ropes. Of course, once again, I am Mr. WCWS, Chad Hinchell, of course. You just heard right here the Iceman, J.D. Jeremy Geronimo, giving a real big-time statement here. And, of course, we don't listen to his words all the time. You know, just, I mean, everyone, of course, him and everyone else here on the radio network, of course, you should because everyone, everyone here that expressed their thoughts and opinions and concerns about things going on in wrestling and everything else definitely does need to be listened to indeed, indeed, indeed. And, <clears throat> and I thank you very much, J.D., for expressing that uh, that concern and all that. And, and who knows, you know, hopefully something will, will take place. But like I said, like like you said and all that, I mean, I do agree with you 110% on that. On that topic. And just to give you a heads up on what we're going to be talking about tonight, however, on the debate, we will be having what we think has been the good the bad, and the ugly in wrestling the last quarter of a century. Considering uh, there's a lot going down right now, I mean, 
in the world right now. I mean, of wrestling. I mean, from the Money in the Bank thing the other night, however, and everything like that, however. We will definitely be uh, talking about that tonight, however. All right, definitely. They will be definitely listening on that. 139-925, Pound, of course, the rest of the bait coming up here in about 20 minutes. For the Iceman, J.D. Jared D. Jerome, this is Mr. WS Chad Inchall saying thank you so much for listening to episode 58 of Outside the Ropes for this evening. Of course, Outside the Ropes is a broadcast of the WCW US Radio Network right here on TalkShoot.com, where we're, of course, two years older and continuing to be bolder. The radio network continues to be and will forever remain your wrestling and pop culture connection. <clears throat> uh, we'll talk at you talk at everyone soon. J, J, JD, thank you very much. Take care. Uh, see you. Record, take care of yourselves and each other. Definitely see you on the red carpet here, folks. And as always, here in the radio network on TalkShoe.com. God bless everyone. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.